Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. This is my 21st episode. Woohoo! I have done this on a shoestring budget, which has been zero dollars. That is my shoestring. And a lot of help from family and friends along the way. I've had guests from all over the United States and... I've had guests talking about the passion projects they're working on, what it means to be somebody that's vision is bigger than who they are. I have had some incredibly vulnerable moments with people. I've picked out in this episode, I went back through every interview that I've done and I picked out the highlights for me. I had to whittle it down because I'm only one person and I don't know how to edit that well. (laughs) But I picked out some highlights of some of the interviews I've had, but I highly recommend going back and listening to them because there are some nuggets that there's just not enough time in my day to capture. I have the nugget from James talking about how Jesus is the biggest queer and Kathy talking about the patriarchy in the church, thinking that it is creating space for women and people of color and all over the show. So much love, so much generosity has been given to me by my friends and my family. And to you who have listened, I tell you all the time, but it's true. It means so much to me to talk about these things that I value and that I find important and also all of the learning that I've been able to attain from just talking to so many interesting people. If you have people that you would like me to interview, I can certainly give it a try and see if they're willing. I have a few people coming up that I think you'll be interested in hearing from. I have a friend that is a psychologist in town And she has also been intricate in providing hands-on help using therapeutic responses for protests. And I have some other things up my sleeve that I think you all will want to hear. But I am also interested in interviewing people that you would like to hear from. So... I hope you enjoy this episode. This is my 21st episode. Again, please go back and peruse them all because they're all good and there's so many incredible nuggets in there. And thank you. This is my conversation with Tamia Miller. What, 15? Mm -hmm. We had just had a bomb threat at your school, which is messed up. And then you're out there shooting at your teacher who believes in reverse racism. How did you feel? And what is what was your experience? Before, I was definitely so frustrated because school was just, like, so unsafe. Whether it was, like, physically, emotionally, mentally. Like, I just didn't want to be there at all. And that was, like, not normal for me. So when we did that, that was, like, good. You know, like, people say when they work out to, like, de-stress. Like, this was definitely, like, a de-stressing moment. And what I liked most about it was, like, I love shooting, of course, like the breathing that came with it because mm-hmm. that definitely felt like empowering like when you take a deep in, deep breath in your shoulders you know they like 
come forward, like they go back and you're like in a certain position and that just felt so nice. And then when you let go, everything just seems like drain out of you. Mm-hmm. And then when I Ooh, hit it, good. yeah, and then I hit it perfectly on the mark. That was like the cherry oh, do you on the top. remember where you hit it? Right on the, no, on the head. One of you guys nailed him right in the eye socket. Oh yeah, that, and one actually, of you, yeah, 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 and yeah. one of you hit him in the neck. I think Brennan hit him in the neck. And I think you hit him directly in the eye, which and then we were laughing because it was and that was like your last. I think we were like, yeah, that's we're gonna be done. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want to jinx it. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, I could not have said it better because that's one of the things like the breath and then. But letting everything flow out of mm-hmm. you. And from my observation, it's just a template. Yeah. I mean, not just. I love archery, and I think it's a really good way to feel empowered mm-hmm. very quickly. Yeah. Like you're literally shooting yeah, something. exactly. <laughs> and you're not harming somebody. Someone. But what yeah. I felt, too, it's a, it's a great template. It works every time. What I observed is whatever power he still had and what I mean by that is he didn't have power over you but that event created fear like any negative emotions yeah Yeah. is it he lost it when you especially when you nailed him in the eye and Brennan nailed him in the neck there was something that I mean you you have to be there kind of to experience it but you guys walked away and we were laughing Mm mm-hmm and he lost whatever power he still had. It was kind of like over and then me just finding a way to like deal with actually having to go to his class. It wasn't me trying yeah. to like battle the emotions I had inside anymore. What, did you, because I hadn't even thought about that. Did it affect the way that you went back into class? Did you feel differently? Because I never asked you that. Um, I just kind of felt like it's like nothing's going to change. Like why sweat over it? Yeah. So it was just kind of like. And he wasn't, like, the best teacher either. Like, I could do an assignment four months late and still get 100% on it. So it was kind of just, like... He's really phoning it Yeah, it kind of felt like I was being babysitted the whole period. So it was, like... Yeah. I didn't feel, like, so wound up. You know, when you get so nervous and anxious and frustrated before you have to do something. Yeah. I just, like, I didn't feel like that anymore. That's amazing. I mean, and that's all, I mean, really, that's all I want for people. Mm-hmm. And now, Molly Glennon. Before we started to roll mm-hmm. was, if you think back to your childhood self, is the adult life what you thought it was going to be? Um, no. <laughs> I don't think anybody could say that they understood what adult life was like, I remember being, I think I was 15. No, no, I was in college. And I remember thinking, man, if I could just have a job where I made $20,000 a year, I would be so sad. I mean, rich. That's so, what I make. <laughs> Not so I was, set. I was like, <laughs> man, I would just be coasting on easy street. So that is not the way life turns out. Generally, you realize that. Um, it takes a lot more to make life work, but I think I lately what I've been doing as a as a kind of a practice for myself is when I'm when I'm doing something with somebody and we're like oh well I can't go at this point or I don't know if I can do that and I'm like we're adults we 
get to set the rules. We get to make up our own life. I keep telling myself that over and over and over again because I want to remember that being an adult means that I'm responsible for myself, but I'm also free to make the rules for myself. Mm -hmm. Like there is no, you know, there is no teacher waiting to wrap me on the knuckles. There's no old white man who's going to pull me into the office and yell at me. Give you a hack. Right. (laughs) Or, you know, some church leader is going to tell me that I am, you know, a Jezebel. Jezebel. (laughs) I've got a rebellious spirit. (laughs) Sorry for anybody that did not grow up in the church. Uh, You'll just have to look that one up. All you have to do is look sideways as a woman and you get a Jezebel spirit accusation. Or you have to have a thought of your own. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Jezebel spirit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I like that. um, And I think you've said that to me before, like, I'm an adult. We're adults. We get to, we get to make our own decisions. We get to decide because we are retraining our brains because that's what I've been talking about is like it's the same with being an entrepreneur, which mm-hmm. I even struggle saying that, but that's what I am. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm failing. Yeah. But I don't know who has the rules, but some part of my brain is yeah. saying there are rules. You're not meeting you're not the requirements. Meeting them. Yeah. Totally. And then I feel that's, and, and the other thing is that is open-ended. So if you, if there aren't actual rules, you don't know what you're failing at, or you don't know where to push back or say, okay, that's your rule, but that's not my rule. So if the rules are open-ended, I'm always failing. And I feel that that has, there's a similar thing with being an adult. It's like somebody has the rules and there are people that are verbal with their rules. Sure. Especially, you know, in politics or what women should be doing, mm-hmm. what people of color should be sh- doing or not doing, what immigrants should be doing. You know, there are people that do have rules and they will tell you what they are. In the words of no name, fuck date clubs. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we'd get some good ones with you. I'm going to name this podcast, fuck them no names. <laughs> probably get in trouble for that um and that's that's kind of what I'm what I'm trying to unpack I'm unpacking it with my own kids Mm -hmm. why do you think you should have known how to do that how could you have known how to do that but we are doing that I'm doing that every day like Mr. Todd Michael Fatal is in the house welcome Todd Fatal well I'm I'm very. I'm hashtag blessed to be here. Gross. <laughs> Sitting in our in our house. I know I you had to travel I, far. I I feel somehow that this is just a sacred place right now. We've had many sacred. I'm doing the what do you call this? Air quotes. Air quotes. Um, sacred, you got to finish. I was gonna say finish that sentence. Sacred. Air quotes. We've had many sacred conversations on this couch. Yeah. And. Lots of crying and quite a bit of fighting, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is pretty sacred. It is soaked with our tears. <laughs> I was just saying, you're, you're talking about the building like a container. This, this, this living room is definitely a container. Of, oh, for sure. You know, for conversations, transformational conversations. Yeah. 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 James Joyner, or AKA Loretta Good Lordchild. So, 
But in terms of what keeps me rooted in the church yeah. now, uh, you know, I like I have two answers for that. Good. One of them is Jesus. Gotta be Jesus. I outed myself on here for loving Jesus. <laughs> I just like to me, Jesus is like the queerest, weirdest, yes, yes. like gender queer, like fucking up the patriarchy, mm-hmm. different kinds of masculinity, yep. hanging with women, uh, asking the hard questions yes. about like the kind of idols we make for ourselves mm-hmm. in religion, like. Jesus keeps me talking to people who aren't like me. Jesus keeps me in relationship yeah. with, like, what's deeper about this world. That's what mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. I think when I talk... I mean, sometimes uh, I think people get the wrong idea when I'm talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like to remind myself and others yeah. that he was crazy. Radical. Radical. I'm- Zion Fatal or... Stage name, Jasper Typical. You can find him on SoundCloud or probably any of your streaming services. Um, you know, being someone who's struggled with their sexuality their whole life, it, you know, being told by, by kids in school that being sensitive and being emotional is just a sign of weakness and a sign of like, you know, oh, you're, you're a faggot or you're whatever they wanted to call yeah. me. Um, and so like when, when stuff comes, you know, when I have a past in hearing that kind of stuff, but I'm also about empowering myself and empowering who I am. Um, and I have kind of established a, a safe space for myself in the city at my school. I had a, a really fantastic experience with that at my high school. Um, just with, it felt like a safe space and, mm-hmm. and people, you know, always just like to stay, you know, people like staying informed and if they had any opinions of it, they kept it to themselves and, and that was always nice. And But getting to a city where everyone just wants to say what they feel and not in a sensitive way, but just in a, I need the floor. This is mm-hmm. my, this is my time like of day. Ego. Yeah, it, it becomes like, you know, people get those two things mixed together. And so like, if I'm getting really hurt by something and I'm like, I just need to like, you know, take a break because I'm going to say something I don't mean. And they're like, well, whatever you need to say, like, say it. And then it's like, well, that I'm no. <laughs> like, yeah, not everything is beneficial. Yeah. Like, I promise you, like, whatever I'm going to say is not going to be what I mean. It's not going to be, you know, productive. And, you know, stuff like that happened a lot when I first got there, being like hurt by little tiny, like, <laughs> like gestures or like, kind of like stink eye or something or like I'm talking and someone goes like okay or like yep and I'm kind of just like oh sweet (laughs) you know so like stuff like that happened and in order to like and there was way darker stuff that like I don't necessarily want to get into but like there there were things that really shaped like and really, really exposed my underbelly when it came to that stuff. And it made me really uncomfortable. And for a while, I... And still, sometimes I struggle with just, like, not giving myself the space to cry. When I used to, like... I used to work with kids in outdoor school, um, which is just, like, a camp... as a camp counselor. And in doing that, like, I always used to encourage the kids, like, you know, they miss their parents or they're nervous about something or they're, you know... All of this is completely new to them. And I always just 
encourage them to feel their feelings and if they needed to cry they could cry if they needed to get angry you know don't hurt anyone but like you're completely like find something that you can do that'll let you get that negative energy out feel your feelings and i found myself not you know going by my own standard i was Mm. completely avoiding that because it made me uncomfortable and it made me you know nervous and it, it made me anxious and I'm I'm also someone who really thrives in being out of their comfort zone. I think everyone does once they realize it. But like, I just was in feeling scared about re-exposing my underbelly. I just strayed away from that. And it, and it really started taking its toll. And, and it made me disassociate with myself. And it made me have all these like negative feelings about the people in my life, the myself, all these, all these things that I just didn't really feel like I had this time or the space for or the energy for. I didn't ever want to feel those things. And so once I started kind of taking that head on, I started going to therapy again and I switched from, you know, going once a month to once a week and, you know, started going on more walks and doing the things that helped me just like that forced me to think about stuff that I didn't necessarily want to think about and got me to that breaking point that I'd been so uncomfortable since I'd moved or uncomfortable with since I'd moved like crying and all that once I started finding the tools that were going to help me get to that place um you know it didn't fix things it didn't mend it but I put a band-aid on it and it helped me start to realize oh like people have to understand and people have to um accept me for who I am just the same way I need to do that with them like if they're not comfortable with my sensitivity I have to take that at face value and I have to find ways to you know adjust the way that I'm acting so I'm not stressing them out or triggering them or anything like that um and once I started realizing that nothing is really cut and dry but there's a lot of very solid like points that you can start you know there's a lot of ways that you can you can go in and there's just already a ton of like tools that people have come up with like whether it's your therapist or the people in your life and if you lean into those tools and you start Mm -hmm. and you actually give them the time of day like for me I would call like my best best friends um Elliot and Julian I would just I would get them on the phone and we would just talk the talk and we and then when we were done talking we'd be done talking and I found that like oh, I'm getting emotional when I'm talking to these people because I care about them. Oh, I still have that part of me. Mm. I don't need to disassociate with mm. that. Um, once and I started... Yeah. Well, I was going to say, they also, they're safe people for you. You're exactly. not doing that with people that aren't safe right now. Yeah, and once I was comfortable with that and, and being able to... And it's not even about being comfortable. It's once I was, you know getting into the the grind of of doing that and being more consistent with that it just got easier going back to my day-to-day and and rekindling relationships and earning back people's trust Mm -hmm. and earning my trust back with people Mm -hmm. and 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 your trust back with yourself yeah and that's something I'm still still learning it's it's hard I've made a lot of mistakes that I don't think I should get a pass on sometimes when in reality like I think everyone deserves to make mistakes Kathy Escobar. We've laughed and cried and raged and shot arrows at the feelings that come with being a woman. 
in a male-dominated system, which has been the church, because I, I was a pastor for eight years in a church that had flat leadership that, I mean, we are, we've talked about this before, very similar, different communities, but very similar, like, you can be exactly who you are, you don't need to be a Christian, I don't necessarily want you to become a Christian unless that's what you want to be, whatever that means, Um, but so many things that we've bumped up against have been, and I can only speak, and I, and I'm guessing you can too, is what it's like for a white woman in America in a white-dominated, you know, umbrella church. Because it's not just in evangelical religion. It's also... Um, the emergent. It's very white male dominated. And that leaves a mark. And I'm I'm out of that now. So it affects me in slightly different ways. I'm still a white privileged woman, but I'm still a woman having to deal with the bullshit from men on a regular basis. What what is that still like for you? And can you speak a, speak to just how that affects you, what you do with it? Do you, do you know what I'm asking? <laughs> I think so. I, I mean, it's exhausting. Just say whatever you want to say. <laughs> it's exhausting. And I mean, the most important thing to remember is that, you know, I am a white, resourced, straight, yeah. married yes. woman, and it's exhausting. And yeah. so layer in yes. women of color, anyone, non-binary. I mean, yeah. on and on and on. And so Just like, gets harder and harder. Harder, and the, yes, all the layers. And so I can only speak from um, my perspective. But I do know in having friends um, who are leaders of color, you know, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things, it's, it's so much more brutal. Yes, Yes. And, uh, but the inside shared, and outside of inside, the yes. And so, because the systems are just built on white supremacy and power. Yep. And so all of them are. Yep. And, uh, but I, speaking from my own perspective, I think it's just, it's just disgusting, honestly. And it's really pervasive in my faith community. I mean, I'm so, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, we've created something totally different. It doesn't mean that there aren't problems and we're not humans bumping into each other, but that piece, the patriarchy, is not the issue at the refuge. (laughs) But the minute I'm outside of it, and it is like this little bubble, the minute I'm outside of it, I notice it. And um, Nothing made me want to smoke a cigarette more than having to go to a conference in Texas where Todd was doing... Todd's stuff, not even music. I was Todd's wife. And we, oh, we were doing the songwriting thing. I was like craving a <laughs> cigarette. I'm like, I am nobody here. Yeah, it's a really strange thing. I mean, it's just, because I, I have done a ton of 
uh, speaking things over the years, over a lot of years because of the books and some things. So you go, you go to these places. And I mean, if you want to feel the energy of male power, especially in Christian circles, because that's what these were. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. And, uh, the bent against women, the, the way that power begets power. And so they, Golf together, they meet together. There's they make they deals together. together. <laughs> um, so yeah, I had it's, to do it. <laughs> she had to. <laughs> no, the whole thing is, um, it's it's appalling. Oh, yeah. and here's the hardest part. I think is that the unawareness to it is so strong. Oh no, kidding! They think they're evolved. Yes. They think they're doing the work. And this is the danger right now. Honestly, in conservative systems that basically do believe that women are mm-hmm. not supposed to do certain things, and so that's a theological construct. And yeah. I, I mean, I came from that and and you know threw it away. But um, the truth is, is that in those systems, it bothers me. Uh, because yeah. I, I completely disagree with the theology. In progressive systems that basically do tout egalitarian yes. and um, in women's equality, but they have no sense of the ways that the power is still exactly in place mm-hmm. like it always oh, has yeah. been. Yeah. That is the most painful thing to me. Yep. And so, um, the, like I said, this other group is hurts, it's gross, it's disgusting, blah, blah, blah. but over here... And I know in talking to friends who are activists and um, uh, people of color, you know, this wokeness Ugh. that, uh, that the, the hardest group are the white, progressive, liberal, thinking we're more woke mm-hmm. than we are. Yeah. And I do know that. I mean, I'm sure that that's me. You know, yeah. I was one of those people that was stunned when Donald Trump got elected. And yeah. I'm embarrassed about that. But that's where I was. Mm-hmm. And um, hopefully some changes continues to happen. But when it comes to this patriarchy thing, it really pisses me off because they think if there's a couple women speaking or oh, yeah. if there's a couple women on their staff, mm-hmm. um, even in senior positions, that Everything's shout, tokenism. Everything, that real power is not diffused. Laura Laforti, the story midwife. I'm a human being, so by nature, I have my own opinions yeah. and feelings. So I, you know, in my career, um, I felt always pretty out of place. And uh, so as I went on my journey, literally in other places and in other fields, I um, started to experiment with other ways of telling stories because that's always been my passion and my drive, but in a way that felt more, felt more collaborative and more mm-hmm. authentic to the people that I would engage with. And so as I started to do that and really immerse myself in communities and um, kind of be- becoming really close to people in, in a way that is not objective, mm-hmm. um, people started to question what I was doing. Like, that is not journalism anymore. And again, I don't have a strong identity of any kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that wasn't a big problem for me to say, well, then I'm not a journalist. That's fine. This is what I feel I want to do. So whatever it is, this is what I'm doing. And so as I moved further and further away from you know, more traditional journalistic practices, 
and experimenting more and more with participatory and collaborative practices, uh, I find myself, and then actually that's how it really this whole thing. Initially, my title was thoughtful listener. Mm, that I was like really, that. because I thought like, at the end of it, what is that that I do? That's what I do. That's what my function, I'm a channel, I'm not mm. much else. And then I became pregnant and I went through labor and I had a midwife. And so then it dawned on me that what I do really is sort of a mid, you know, that is kind of my role, except I don't deliver babies, but I deliver <laughs> stories. Mm, yeah. The stories are there. I don't make them. They exist. If I tell them or not, they exist. People tell them. And my role is to really facilitate the process of people telling their own personal stories, mm. community, uh, self-determining, self-asserting uh, uh, um, their narrative. Mm. And my role is to support that process, which is very often very painful. Yeah. And some of my projects were really, still now they are with actually pretty vulnerable um, individuals and communities. I've done lots of uh, storytelling projects with um, young people in the foster care system oh. and like their parents and the foster parents and all mm. the side of that uh, relationship. Uh, and many other uh, working in juvenile detention centers and so on. So often my role has been to be there and hold someone's hands in telling mm. the story and, and being the listener and, being, and holding space. And then I do have technical skills that I share. Mm. And so that also the, the hope is that through this process, people are also empowered to continue telling stories yeah. with whatever medium they choose to. Liz Dyer. Mama Bear and Serendipity Doodah has um, a lot of even today. I mean, even in 2019, a lot of people, a lot of parents, a lot of families who have LGBT kids and are Christian often feel very alone and isolated. So they really yeah. want to connect with other people who. Um, you know, are supporting and loving and affirming and celebrating their LGBT kids. And even moms that don't know for sure what they believe yet, they want to connect with people that they really feel are on a journey to, um, you know, give their kids, uh, help them, you know, become the best people that they can be rather than, um, you know, be, so caught up in condemnation and judgment. Yeah, that's the part. I, I think that's really beautiful that people can be transforming within the yes. their beliefs. Their beliefs can be trans transforming. They don't have to believe yet. They just have to be open. That's right. Um, we have three things that we uh, ask members when they join to either agree with or if they don't agree with it, then just to um, not bring it up in the group in a disagreeing kind of way. And if they need help with these three things, we can help them outside of the group privately. But the first thing is that, um, you know, people aren't actually choosing their sexual orientation or their gender identity. That is something that's yeah. innate. 
now yeah. maybe people have to go on a journey to discover the truth about themselves. Um, so mm-hmm. to some people, yeah. it might seem like something changed, but really they're just discovering who they always were at their core. Yep. And then number two, that we can't change who someone is at their core. Uh, we can yes. change behavior. Yeah. Um, we can oppress, you know, the real person that someone is, but we can't yep. change who they are at their core. And then the third thing is that any version of conversion therapy is damaging. And that's something as um, nice as praying for someone to change, as putting someone in, um, you know, a room and shocking them with electricity. So the, any extreme yeah. and anything in between yeah. is, uh, you know, conversion therapy and it's um, damaging because all of those things are rooted in shame and yeah, shame absolutely. always destroys. It is never life giving. Yep. Yeah, that's good. So those are the three things we ask members to either agree with, or if they don't agree with them wholeheartedly, you know, don't talk about them in the group in a disagreeing way. And we can help you outside the group because the philosophy is that um, we don't want to look at our kids and say they're broken because of their sexual orientation or their gender identity. Um, Um, And so this kind of gives us a starting place. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, that's kind of the support you know, section is Mm -hmm. that, you know, we want to help you. We want to, my desire is that every parent would wholeheartedly affirm and celebrate their LGBTQ kid. Um, Enthusiastically. I, our kids need more than our acceptance. They need our celebration. Um, Yeah. Listen, they've got a lot of uh, obstacles to face out there in the world, and we've got to compensate for some of that. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's, oh, I like that a lot. So, you know, we want to support parents and help them get to that place. And just being among other uh, moms who are there often just really uh, fast tracks the whole journey because it's like when moms see other moms who are already there, it kind of gives them the freedom, the understanding, and even the inspiration. I mean, sometimes moms just say, I want to be like her. Tamia Deary from PDX Alliance for self-care and community care. Okay. So I more and more I'm I'm realizing that what our organization actually does is community care and then access to self-care for people who need it. And the difference there, I think, is in that self-care is whatever you need to take care of yourself, to refill the reservoir, so -hmm. to speak, um, so that you can keep doing the work. And we started this organization specifically to help people be more resilient so that we can continue to resist, Mm -hmm. continue to work on dismantling white supremacy and ending systemic oppression. So that work is long and hard. I don't believe that we will dismantle white supremacy in my lifetime, but my goal is to leave the country 
um, with a more destabilized white supremacy, mm-hmm. you know, like to destabilize the foundation of white supremacy yeah. and to dismantle as many systems of oppression yeah. as we can yeah. while we're here. And so what we try to do is think of all of the ways that we can support our community in getting the self-care that they need mm-hmm. and also the community care. We try to we try to provide space. So we host the BIPOC soak night every month. Say what that is. Um, so the so probably some people don't know what sure. BIPOC is. So the Black Indigenous and People of Color Soak Night at Common Ground Wellness. Every third Wednesday of the month, mm-hmm. we host an, a private event that is only for BIPOC folks. And that is four hours a month where nice. we have an opportunity to soak off the toxic white mm. supremacy that we endure in this city, the other... Um, every every others Every <laughs> second of every day, yeah. yeah. And... Um, and so, and then we try to provide as much support in as many ways as we can throughout our community. But things that we're trying to do are, um, like I said, foundational. We're trying to build infrastructure so that we can eventually provide more resources, but in a sustainable manner. Because mm-hmm. I think the most... Like the thing that scared me the most when we started this was going into it and saying we could do something and then not being able to do it. Yeah. Um, that just felt horrible to think about saying to black and brown people and to the LGBTQ community, hey, like here are these resources and then get really accustomed to having those resources and then yeah. having those resources disappear because it was un- unsustainable. Yeah. And so we're doing things like building a community, a continuing education curriculum to train the predominantly self white self-care practitioners mm-hmm. in Portland to provide safer, more intersectional and inclusional access to self-care resources and just to do less harm. How can I take that? I want to do that. Um, so, um, we're going to diverge for a second. We are going to diverge for a second. <laughs> so we, um, we will have a beta testing for every module. Mm-hmm. So um, all of the fantastic people who have been super supportive mm-hmm. to uh, the growth of our organization, thank you so much. You mm-hmm. supported Empty Bowls. And um, I mean, I'm sure you've talked a lot about your amazing archery workshops on your podcast, but they are amazing and empowering and um, we're going to, yeah, we'll get to that. Anyway. Um, I want to put my name in. Your name is in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so our goal is to build a series of modules and train practitioners so that they can volunteer. Because going all the way back to the beginning, the, the, what, when I was trying to put out those self-care fires, mm-hmm. I had a ton of willing white self-care practitioners and a ton of tired black and brown folks who did not want white people touching them, yes. especially if they were trying to get self-care. Yeah. 
And so I... There's trauma and it's re-traumatizing. Exactly. And so I was so frustrated because I knew that the people that I was offering to do this work, I mean, they were people that I knew personally. Yeah. That I had vetted. And yet, who am I? Yeah. If you don't know me, then why would you trust me that I say this person is safer? Yeah. Right? So it was keeping well, me up nights. Were they I mean, wearing a safety pin. Right? Oh gosh. Oh that. Oh, this is me. I am my I, my thumbs are near my eyeballs. Put that woman who. Oh. the giant safety pin on her clavicle. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so it was really keeping me up nights. Yeah. How I can do we meet the needs mm-hmm. of our community when the, this city of all cities is so. I mean, so many self-care practitioners are white. Mm -hmm. And while we do have a thriving community of black, brown, of indigenous healers, Mm -hmm. the last thing I wanted to do was put the burden on them. I was thinking that when you were talking. That's such a hard... Right? Yeah. So I was like, this is a great idea, except that it's a terrible idea. Yeah. And so Plus, they need the money. And so if they're right. offering it for reduced, right. then so also, right and I don't yeah. want right. So our original goal was to be able to pay black brown people, to pay indigenous people to do the work mm-hmm. and have white people volunteer. Yeah. And yet still that it doesn't work because how are you going to com- convince people that yeah. that they're safe? So then I, we had the idea to train them. But then you're asking people to volunteer, and now you want to also ask them to do a bunch of training on top mm-hmm. of it. It's already getting into a lot of time, and, yeah. and they still haven't even given anyone any care, right? Yes. So, I it's mean... It's the long game. I yes. was literally not yeah. sleeping. I was, every night I was just lying in bed, and I was like, oh, I want to do this. I believe in this work, and also I don't know how to make this work. Well, and you then, can probably see how it could work, but you've got to get to the end and you don't have all the moving pieces. So I swear it was one of those like literal light bulb. I didn't even believe in light bulb moments. And then all of a sudden I was lying in bed and it hit me continuing education credits. Mm -hmm. Every self-care practitioner in the state of Oregon has to take continuing education credits to renew their licenses. And so why not create a curriculum and ask them to take that instead of what they would normally take yeah and so we're asking them to do different work instead of more work yes and when as soon as that idea came to be it sort of everything else started to coalesce Mm -hmm. and so we thank you so much for listening to this episode there are many more episodes to come but i do want to ask you and remind you to please like, share, and subscribe. Talk about it to all your friends. Remember that I also meet with people for spiritual direction anywhere in the world, one-on-one in Portland and through all of the available FaceTime, um, Skype, if anybody does Skype anymore, Google Hangouts. I do it all. So if you like what you hear and you're interested in meeting with me one-on-one, please reach out to me. 
get on my website and see the other things that I do because I do a lot of other things. If you want to meet with me for a one-on-one meditative archery, mindful archery, or labyrinth walk, or you want to do a family-friendly archery workshop or bring me to your group of teenage friends or have a bachelorette party that includes archery or a bachelor party that includes archery, you would be surprised. I have done two of those already. I've done a bachelor party and I've done a bachelorette party and everybody kept their bathing suit areas fully covered. (laughs) Anyway, I would love to see you in the future. I will be in Texas in at the end of March. I will be in Virginia at the end of April. I will be in Colorado again in the beginning of October. I have in February I have a Galentine's Day archery workshop and I have a Valentine's Day archery workshop. If you're wanting to just set up anything with me, just get a hold of me through angiefatal.com or email me at angiefatal at gmail.com. I would love to interact with you more and I really appreciate you listening. Thank you. Remember who you are. Don't forget. Because when we forget, we become somebody that we don't want to be. We become somebody that other people want us to be. You are worth knowing. You are worth loving. You are worth being in this world. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.